very informative, and there's so much that you can get out of it. I really think you almost have to dissect it almost verse by verse by verse. So, um, Did you really? So you think I'm giving them time off just by going with the 24, huh? Okay, we'll, we'll do it that way. That, that's, that's fine with me. Okay, I'm, I'm not going to kill them, Kirk, okay? All right. Let's, uh, before we begin, though, let's, let's go to God and pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Um, thank you again for this amazing small church. And yet, Lord, we go back 2,000 years ago and we see how amazing that small church was and how it grew and continued to grow and continues to grow today. And and so we ask you, Lord, today, would you help us to grow, um, not necessarily in numbers, although, you know, maybe another person or two will come in before we're through. We just ask that you'll help us to grow spiritually. Uh, Guide us in this study today that we have. Bless us with a greater understanding of this uh, wonderful letter from John the disciple. And help us, Lord, to be able to then apply this to our lives. Strengthen us to that end, we ask you. Open our eyes, if you would. Holy Spirit, come to us now and uh, be with us as uh, we attempt to learn more of your word. Bless us to that end, we ask you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. All right, then. Everybody stand up. We're going to do chapter 3, or chapter 3 of 1 John. Here's where John writes to us. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children now. And, and what we will be has not yet appeared But we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. And everyone who thus hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins. And in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the work of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. For God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. By this it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. Are y'all hearing this? Are you listening closely to what's being said here? Okay. For this is the message that you have heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. We should not be like Cain, who was of the, of the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own deeds were evil and his brother's righteous. Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. 
By this we know love, that he had laid down his life for us. And we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in words or talk, but in deed and in truth. By this we shall know that we are of the truth and reassure our heart before Him. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and He knows everything. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And whatever we ask, we receive from Him because we keep His commandments and do what pleases Him. And this is the commandment, that we believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as He has commanded us. Whoever keeps His commandments abides in God, and God in Him. And by this we know that He abides in us by the Spirit whom He has given us. The grass withers, the flowers fade away, but the Word of our Lord will stand forever. Amen, church? Amen. Amen. Thank you all. You may be seated. One of the other things about splitting it up was I keep everybody awake because you'd have to stand up every little bit and get the blood flowing again. So the room is just warm enough. Just warm enough, okay? So if I'm talking along like this and all of a sudden I go, and uh, oh, that'll wake you up, won't it? I saw heads going. So just be, just expect it. This is a straightforward chapter in 1 John, as, as they all have been so far. But I, as I said, I'm going to split it up into three parts. This section 1 through 10, 11 through 20, and 21 through 24. I'm going to spend a bit more time on the first two sections, 1 through 10 and 11 through 20, and then try to tie everything up together in 21 through 24. There seems to be a natural break there with each section. John is shooting rather straight, I think, in this particular chapter. And I say that because he tells us unequivocally where we all stand. If we accept love from God and do His will, we are children of God. But those who practice lawlessness, they're the unrighteous, the lawless. Verse 7, he underscores it with little children. Let no one deceive you. But let's back it up here and begin again with verses 1 through 10. This section follows nicely with chapter 2, especially the last couple of verses where he alludes to those that he is writing to, again, as little children. And if you remember what Jesus tells us in Matthew 18, 3 as to how we are to come to him and receive him, we're to do what? We are to come to him as little children, right? So... We see the pattern has already been set for us in chapter 2. And that gives us many things to watch out for, even avoid some of these things if we're to follow Jesus as little children. Kirk talked about that last week. Now, chapter 3 continues, as I said, this thought process. We who are believers and who love God the Father are to be called children of God. With the mess the world had been in previously, God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die in our stead. Many recognized that then and still recognize that even today, that love that was given 
for each one of us. Sadly, many even then just could not bring themselves to believe. And because of our belief, we can believe, we can be called children of God. Because as Paul told us in Ephesians 1.5, we have been called to be the adopted sons of God through Christ according to the purpose of His will. 2 Corinthians 6.18, Paul again writes that God says He will be a father to us. And because of this love He has for us, we should show that same love to our brothers and sisters, our siblings, one commentator I read wrote. Again, from John this time, John 1, verse 12, to all who receive Him, who believe on His name, He gave the right to become children of God. So you can see there's a distinction between us and the rest of the world. The world does not acknowledge this because they don't acknowledge God. But the wonderful thing for us is that on that day of His return, we will see Jesus Christ, God the Son, for exactly who He is. And if we believe that, our hope is sure and certain. And in our hope in His return, our hope will be purified. That that state of being purified daily. We could also call it in reform circles being sanctified, becoming more and more pure each and every day. Let's look a second at that segment, who doesn't acknowledge Him or us. Verse 4, everyone who makes a practice of sinning is lawless. We're sinners, aren't we? Where where does that leave us? You you can almost hear that question being asked, even though it wasn't written in this particular chapter. Well, John answers this very quickly. Jesus appeared to remove our sins, and in Him there is no sin. Okay, all well and good. We, We become a child of God, we don't sin anymore, right? Wrong. I figured somebody would say something. <laughs> Romans 3.23. That should be one of the things, one verse we should keep in our pocket at all times. It'll keep us, keep our feet to the ground. For we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. Now the English standard is very explicit in this next section. No one who abides in Him keeps on with the practice of sinning. The practice of of sinning. You see the difference here. Those who are in Christ will not continue to sin habitually. Okay? That's a toughie. It's a toughie for every single last one of us. But with help from the Holy Spirit, our desire to commit those habitual sins that we committed throughout our days and never gave a second thought about, whatever they may be, as time goes on, that desire is going to ebb away from us. But it is a constant fight. Even for the strongest of Christians, that is a fight that must continue each and every day. But therein is the difference for us. Christ forgave our sins when we were justified. That's all the previous sin we had in our lives up to the point of accepting Christ as Lord and Savior of our lives. But the ability... To sin because we are human is still there. This is one of the most fundamental aspects 
of Christianity that I feel oftentimes is not explained to a new Christian quite well enough. I grew up in a in a in, a, in an atmosphere of if, if you sinned and you died right then, you'd go to hell because you had sins that weren't forgiven. And it's like, why even try? You, you can't beat that. It's impossible. Especially when they start talking about sins of omission and commission. Then you're like, oh boy. So for several years, I gave church up. Because I felt like it wasn't worth it. You can't win. There's no way. But it was not explained to me that all those sins that I had committed before, before I accepted Christ as Savior, before I truly understood what that meant, they're all gone. You're starting with a blank slate. I love the way Brett talks each and every time we come together about confessing our sins. Because you're starting off with a blank slate all over again. And let me tell you something. If there's not hope in that, then I don't know what has hope in it. But anyway, sorry about that. Um, that one you won't find in the thing, okay? Anyway, the ability to sin because we are human is still going to be there, okay? It's not going to go away. That's where sanctification or the state of being purified daily comes into play. The question then must be asked, what's the difference between my sin now and my sin then? The difference is before you were not a child of God. You were a child of the devil. You didn't abide in Christ. You did abide with Satan because of the sin of Adam, our federal forefather. It took Christ to change that. And because of his sacrifice for us as the spiritual leader of our lives, we should then attempt to live a Christ-like life daily. But it's what we do with our lives from then on that really tells the story. If we are truly that adopted son or daughter, or has Satan just simply blinded us? Do not be deceived, John underscores. Do not be deceived. This is serious stuff. Verse 10. He again states a fact. We will be known. It will be evident who belongs to God because of the righteousness that we practice. When we pick up a musical instrument for the very first time, we have no idea how to play it, do we? I don't know, it could be like Stephen. He probably just picked up a banjo at the age of two and just started strumming away. I, I don't know, but I get that impression from you anyway. <laughs> anyway, it takes practice, doesn't it? Any musical instrument, it takes practice. But once you get to know that instrument, once you know how to play, you never have to worry about practicing again, do you? <laughs> Not hardly. To stay on top of it, you have to continue to practice it. And that's the same way that our righteousness uh, is, has to be practiced each and every day. If we are ever going to be able to produce spiritual fruit. John's description of our righteousness as practice is very, very appropriate here. So let's move on. Let's go to 11 through 20. We see an illusion of it at the end of verse 10. We will not be known as children of God if we are known as one who does not love his brother. 
Oh, now we're getting serious. In 11, it says we can't say that we, we didn't know because it's been preached from the very beginning that we should love one another. He then talks about Cain and Abel. Now, if you'll remember, Cain killed Abel after both brothers offered sacrifices to God. Hebrews 11.4 tells us that Cain killed his brother because of his disobedience and his hatred. Genesis 4.5 tells us it was due to his disobedience and his pride, which in the end made him miserable. Why? Because his deeds were evil, it says in verse 12 of our reading this morning. Are you seeing a pattern here? Practice righteousness. Avoid evil. Love your brother. Let's go deeper. We, we sh- now, we should love one another. I, I think that's been driven into every one of us so far in the sermon this morning alone. Look at John 13, 34. Words coming from Jesus. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. In 35, he even goes on to say that people will know that we are Jesus' disciples if we have love for one another. I do believe some use this one passage as their rationale for loving not only everyone, but loving their actions as well. I believe they're reading something into that that's just not there. But here in, in this passage, we're looking at something a little bit different in my opinion. Let's look how this is worded, 13 through 15 here. Don't be surprised that the world hates us. Not if they hate us. This is a definite. And I think as time goes on, you are going to see more and more of this hatred, this, this evil, this seething that comes out against Christianity. I mean, you don't, may not even have to necessarily say anything to someone. And yet somehow or another, they're going to pick up on who you are. And it's going to get ugly before it gets better. I can almost assure you of this at the rate that we are going in this world anyway. And we oftentimes, here again, I'm off the the sermon here. Oftentimes we feel like maybe Satan's winning this battle. But you can bet the farm he's not. And that's what we have to remember. And that's what we have to live on each and every day. When we get up every morning, that is what we need to remember. That Jesus Christ is going to win the battle. He is going to win the war. And you know what? We are the spoils of that war. Remember that. Anyway, now I don't even remember where I am. Give me a minute. Okay, I do believe that this one passage, again, is rationale for people maybe looking at things a little bit differently. But let's don't be surprised, again, that the world hates us. Luke 6.22 tells us that we will be blessed when people hate you on account of the Son of Man. If we believe in Jesus Christ, we can take great faith in knowing that we will overcome death. Which leads us to verse 14. We know that we will have passed out of death and into life if we believe that Jesus Christ is Lord and that God raised Him from the dead. We will be saved. And that, folks, is what stumps the unbeliever every time. But if we believe that death has no hold over us, the world will hate us. 
And then the biggie. If we love our brothers, we will be saved. Now, let me ask you this. Who is our brother or sister? First, understand that to hate your brother or sister is to murder that person in your heart. Now, Elder, what you just said right there is not fair. You shouldn't say that. Well, yes, I should. I can say it because that's what's being said here. I don't make the rules. I am here merely to teach you all how to live by way of what the Scriptures teach us. Read 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17 again for verification. Certainly we will not know everyone in the world, but how do we hold mankind in general in contempt or in compassion? Think about that just a second before you answer. Because your, your initial answer off the top would be, well, I love everybody. Okay. Let's go into the arena of politics just a second. Uh-huh. Let's go into the, uh, the, uh, the uh, arena of college football. <laughs> as simple as that sounds, all right? What was I telling people before the church started this morning? I hate Tennessee. I don't hate Tennessee. I just don't like them. <laughs> <laughs> and the Dodgers. <laughs> the Yankees? Hey, don't leave my Yanks alone. But you, you see what I mean? They're, they're, we all have, in so many different ways, in so many different arenas of life, we have certain beliefs, okay? And if other people can't see our beliefs, then they're stupid. I mean, that's just how we feel. But the the the, the biggest, most volatile arena of all right now is politics. We have to be so very careful with what we say and who we say it to so we don't offend someone else. That's just the way our world has become. Social media has not helped us by any stretch of the imagination. We can let somebody have it on the other side of the world. We don't know who they are. But I want you to think about this before you do anything like that. For the first time or ever again. They are our brothers and sisters. Okay? Now, when Jesus was here on earth, do you think that he knew everybody? No. But you see, he didn't have to know everyone. And this is what I think we need to remember. He did know to love them all because that is what he had been taught to do. Why did he love them all? Because even though he may, they may have loved outside the law at that time before Christ came, even outside the household of faith after Christ died and was resurrected, he loved them all because God his Father had created them all. Remember that. He had been commanded to do that And he did it. We're commanded to do the same thing. Do you think it should be any less for us? Did he get angry? You betcha he did. He got mad several times, I'm sure. One, we remember the overthrow of the the money changers' tables. But he never held anyone in unrighteous contempt. 
Brothers and sisters in Christ, we should not either. The brothers talked about in this particular passage are our brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. Those with like faith. Those who along with us who practice righteousness and their love manifests that righteousness. Fellow believers in Jesus. If we love them, we are told we will have eternal life. But I don't know them all. You don't have to. Just like with the world, that we may not know them all, we should have and show compassion upon them all. But because of our common love for Christ, folks, we should love those who are halfway across the world. We may not go to the same church. We may not have the same speakers. We may not have the same understanding of Reformed theology and other types of theology. But remember this. Our love for Christ should be common. That should be the one galvanizing point that Christianity is all about, in my opinion. We should have an appreciation for like faith. Not because they haven't done us harm, but because they love Christ and have accepted Him as their Savior, just like we have. Being a Christian is so much more than just saying, I am a Christian. It's about living a Christ-like life, as we have said before in this sermon. So how is this love defined? Well, verse 16 says, We know this love through what Christ has done for us. That is, He gave His life for us. That way we should be ready to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters as well. John 15, 13. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. And then Jesus says right after that, we are his friends if we do what he commands us to do. Hmm. Elder, you're asking a lot there. That may just be a little bit more than I can deal with. I might be able to do that for my family. Maybe one or two other people in my life beyond that. I just don't know if I can have that kind of love. Look at Leviticus 19.2 for a second. You shall be holy for the Lord your God is holy. Now, while he proceeds to give us a close understanding of his law after that statement, we're not going to be holy as God is holy, are we? But we're to strive to be holy as God is holy. How? By following his law. In in this particular instance, from Leviticus. It's the same, trying to be Christ-like. We must strive to be more like him each day. And that's where sanctification comes into play. Perfect sanctification or glorification will not be reached upon this earth. Okay? We'll receive that when we get to heaven. But we should always be pursuing righteousness. But look a bit further here. There's another way of love that's attainable for us, or it should be. If we have much in the way of worldly goods, how can we show others love? By giving to those in need. I want to stop right here a minute. I want to introduce you to a program that has been brought to our attention here at Hill City. It's something that the elders and myself have have looked at, we've talked a little bit about with the blessings help, 
Um, and we feel like right now that we can endorse this particular program. I want to tell you just a little bit about it, and then we're going to have a congregational meeting at some point and talk a little bit more about it. But it's it, without getting too far off the beaten path or to give you information I may not have entirely down pat, suffice it to say that we do have a plan on this, on this meeting that we can talk to you about, a program called Alongside Families. We believe that the time is right for us as Hill City to start helping others outside the church. And we feel like there is no better place to show our love for others than helping families who might be in need in a number of different ways. That's all I'm going to say right there. I've wet your whistle enough. We'll have more for everybody soon, I hope. But we just felt like this was a good place to expand our thinking concerning our love for each other and our love for those inside and outside the church. This love that we should have for our brothers and sisters is called an agape love, A-G-A-P-E, if you've never heard that term before. It's a self-giving love, one where we should give and expect nothing in return. It's a love for others when they're unlovable. Now, if that isn't a Christ-like love, I don't know what is. So how do I know that? Because I know two things. I know how unlovable I am at times. No amens, please. (laughs) But I also know how much God loves me because of that incomparable gift given on my behalf. That gift is Jesus. And you know the thing about it? And this is the hard part. I don't think God ever regrets having done that for His children. That includes me. I believe it includes you as well. So when we think, well, I'm supposed to love my brothers and sisters, it doesn't mean that we're supposed to fall madly in love with everybody we come in contact with within the walls of the church, wherever you might be. It's not that kind of love. But we should be ready to give of ourselves in every conceivable way to help even those we don't necessarily know. Because it's not our place to judge who is and who is not our brother or sister in Christ. Does that make sense? Yes, sir. Real love isn't just felt. It's demonstrated. Romans 5, 8. But God demonstrates His own love for us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It is by this love. Love we can share with others. Knowing the love that God gave us. It's in this love that we can perhaps finally understand what true love is all about. One for another. We don't just talk it. We've got to carry through doing what we say we do. Otherwise, if we don't, are we really showing true love? I don't think so. For sure, John is telling us no. If we withhold love from others, are we really following Christ's commands to us? And if we're not following Christ's commands to us, as John 15, 13 says... Painfully, perhaps, are we really His friends? And if we're not His friends, are we truly a child of God? And yet, do we always follow what God the Father 
or God the Son through God the Holy Spirit tells us, sadly, because we are human, no, we don't. But here is good news. Verses 19 and 20. Here is how we can tell we really are a true child of God. For whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart. In other words, when we don't do as we should and we don't love as we should love, our conscience is going to gnaw at us. It's God's way through His Spirit that is going to convict us of our sin and we will not rest until we get it right. The lost will not know this restlessness because Satan is ruling their heart. Little children, let us love not in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. Powerful words given to us here by John. Now the last part of this in, in 1 John 3, 21 through 24, looking quickly at these last four verses, we can go back to what we've said in multiple ways in 1 through 20. We're even reminded in 23 what Jesus himself told us. The two laws to remember entailed in Mark 12, 30 and in other places in both Old and New Testaments. Love the Lord your God and believe in His Son, Jesus Christ. Then show that love by keeping His commandments and by loving your neighbor, or as it says in the English Standard, one another. If we are not deceiving ourselves, as we see how that looks in 1 John 1, 6, if we have confidence in our God and what He has done for us, what He does for us now, and what He will do for us in the days ahead, our heart will not indeed condemn us. We will have a relationship with our Father in heaven. We will have confidence in Him that He will follow through with what He says He will do in our lives. We can then have confidence in Christ Jesus that He has done what has been written in God's Word and that we will be saved from eternal death. There will be no false sense of security. There'll be no need to merely hope that we're saved. Having confidence in Christ means we can have assurances in His words to us. If we walk in obedience, knowing that we will oftentimes fail, we can be assured He will answer our prayers. He will do for us what is pleasing in His sight and what will glorify Him. He will not be an order taker for all our wants and our desires. Don't be misled by those who believe in the name it and claim it theology. That's another sermon for another day. That's not how God works. I believe that if we are in right relationship with God, we will know through help of the Holy Spirit that we are going to know what to be able to ask for. We cannot see God as, as a cosmic Santa Claus giving our heart's desire for a bigger house, more money. And things such as that. Now that doesn't mean that Christians are going to be poor necessarily. But he will see to our every need. Know that. Being in a relationship with God the Father will enable us to do things that are pleasing in his sight. But know as well, we will know what to ask for in our prayer life. John tells us that if we believe on God and love one another... We are well on the way to an eternal life that will forever be one of joy, of peace, and of well-being. If you don't know Him, come today 
to Him. Believe in and love Him. And then love one another. That is what John is saying in 1 John chapter 3. And the assurances of heaven can be yours and it can be mine. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this stirring lesson once again from John. I would dearly have loved to have been there when he wrote this. To see the excitement, the anticipation as he wrote. But also the frustration. But I thank you, Lord, just in how you have opened these passages up um, to me and I pray others who have he- heard these things. And that we will just go out into the world and make a difference for you. That's all we ask. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Okay. Look with me in your order of worship. Our catechism question number 45. Question is, is baptism with water the washing away of sin itself? What's the answer? No. Only the blood of Christ and the renewal of the Holy Spirit can cleanse us from sin. We now have the opportunity to be able to come to the